Hi friends, this is part two of the chat with Joanna and Joe. Uh, in the first part we spoke about our favourite books of 2020 and the top five books we're most looking forward to reading in 2021. In this episode we speak a lot about um, our favourite TV shows and films that we watched in 2020 as well as um, what we would maybe like to leave behind um, in, or what we hope that people learn from 2020 going forward in 2021 both in a creative sense and in a human sense um thank you very much for listening if you have done to the previous part and um, this part most of the audio issues are better there's about 20 minutes of my microphone rubbing against my beard and joanna corrects it which i think is quite funny and then at the end the audio does that thing when it starts to overlap i think that might just be the program we've been using um next episode will probably be out in just shy of two weeks i'm trying to try and get them out on a friday or a saturday um, I'm not 100% confirmed what that is yet. I have some ideas, but it's whether I have the way with all pull them together in such a short space of time. But stay tuned and always keep an eye on Instagram. It is at gettinglittypod, that's at G-E-T-T-I-N-L-I-T-T-Y-P-O-D. Inbox is always open. You can comment on any of the post just things that you might like to see or hear. And without further ado, here is part two, where we talk about TV and film. A theme tune. Next, we're going to talk about um, films and TV from 2020. Um, this one's a bit different, so I asked the guys for five. But it could be any makeup of five. So, for instance, my selection, I know I have one film and the rest is TV. Um, and it doesn't have to be from 2020. It could be from whenever you like. Just something that you've watched in the last year. Um, I'm going to mix it up. I'm going to start with Joe this time. Oh. Joe, talk us through... <laughs> Sorry, Joe. <laughs> um, talk us through your film and TV enjoyment of 2020. Okay. Um, so... Number five, we've got a film mm-hmm. uh, that I watched in 2020 that wasn't released in 2020. It's a film called Good Time, and I watched it because I watched a film called Uncut Gems with Adam Sandler at the start of the year, which was really, really good. Not good enough to get on this list, but really, really good. And the guys that made it are called the Safety Brothers, and they made this other film called Good Time that's got Robert Pattinson in it. Kind of unrecognizable oh. from his Harry Potter and Twilight days, nice. where he plays like a kind of a street hustling thief, um, and he he, he he thieves with his his younger brother who is um mentally ill, mm-hmm. um, and so they did they go on one heist in a bank and it goes totally wrong and his 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 brother is is kidnapped and not kidnapped arrested. It's kind of the same thing. Um, <laughs> and the film is just Robert Pattinson just doing anything that he can to try and like rescue his little brother. And when I tell you, I have never been so stressed out watching a film as I was during this. If you've seen Uncut Gems, you'll kind of know what I'm talking about. It's similar to that. It's like, it's so fast and frenzied and there's always like people talking over each other. I'm maybe not selling it well. <laughs> but I was on the edge of my seat for the hour and a half that it was on. And Robert Pattinson, who I already think is incredibly underrated as an actor, um, 
is just so, so good in it. He's so believable. And it's so weird to see him go from, like, obviously what he was when he was he was Edward Cullen and Cedric Diggory and whatever, to, like, this greasy, horrible little criminal guy that you're rooting for, but you're not really rooting for because you know that he's bad, but you, it's so good. Um, if I say any more about it, I'll, I'll ruin it. Okay. But um, take a, a, a Valium, get a cup of chamomile tea, and sit and watch it. It, it is so good. It's so good. That's saying something that you found it really stressful because, not to like call you out on the potty or anything like that, but you are one of the most stressful. Not you're not stressful to watch with, but you get very stressed at films. Yeah, I do. And books. So that's saying something that is the most stressed. But it's just there's a lot of running and a lot oh, of like no. last minute escapes and mm. just it's really really good. Um, okay. Now. If you can hark back to when I said that if you had told me that Hillary Clinton's book would have been on my top five list of anything, I would have laughed in your face. And it's the same for what I'm going to pick next, which was Hamilton, which was put on the Disney Plus. I didn't even bloody think about Hamilton. Um, yeah. How could you not? Because <laughs> it feels like about seven years ago it went on Disney Plus. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, we've seen this on the stage as well this year but I'm, I'm talking about the Disney Plus one mm-hmm. um, when this came out when I say I wasn't a fan it's quite the understatement <laughs> um, I don't anyway I wasn't a fan I didn't like it I think you had, were listening to a couple of the songs and I'm like it's gimmicky it's a little rubbish get that off but I sat and worked one day and listened to the soundtrack and that was me a fan, and we've seen it a couple of times on on stage. And remember, because when was it? Was it this year? It was supposed to be coming into the cinema. No, I, I think it was supposed to be next. Oh no! Remember, twenty twenty one. Yeah, no, I'm just thinking that. I think it was supposed to be October twenty twenty one. Yeah, you're totally right. And and Disney and their corporate wisdom thought everybody's miserable. We're just going to upload it onto Disney Plus for everyone to watch. And it's just incredible. Um, In the words of Tabitha Brown, oh God, we thank you. Oh God, we thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's like, I wasn't entirely sure how, um, because the two times we've seen it have been really good. Um, Mm. Totally blown away. But it's kind of a different story when you're you're seeing like the the original people doing it. And it's it's just so good. It's so well Mm. done. Um, just not many things can certainly keep you hooked for three hours, but this, <laughs> if um, this managed to do it. Um, but yeah, so that is that's my number four. Mm-hmm. Uh, number three is the TV adaptation of Watchmen, mm-hmm. um, yeah. which was done by Damon Lindelof, who done Lost, which I'm a massive fan of, mm-hmm. um, and it's. Loosely based on the, I'm not a comic book guy at all. I've seen the film with Watchmen. My enjoyment of it ended after the opening credits <laughs> and only started back up again in the closing credits. Um, <laughs> but the TV show was um, genuinely unlike anything I've ever seen. It's So it takes place at present day, basically. So the, I think the, the film was set in like the 80s. It takes place in present day and it centres around... Um, racial riots 
and racial violence in Tulsa, Oklahoma in present day. And obviously, given everything that happened last year, it was very, very of the moment, kind of. Mm. Um, and it stars, it's got um, Regina King in it, who is having oh, quite love. a renaissance. Um, she is like the main the main character in it. She's, I can't really, I can't even figure out how to describe it without either giving too much away or making it sound like a confusing mess. Because um, it is quite confusing. There are storylines in it that are hard to follow. But basically, she is on the side of the police against these neo-Nazi um, terrorists, which are inspired by Rorschach, who was one of the original Watchmen. Mm. Um, and it's it's quite hard to watch in some places. Like I say, it's 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 centered around racial divisions and racial tensions in in Tulsa, where it's set, and it, it harks back to a real life event and um, the Tulsa, Oklahoma massacre mm-hmm. happened in nineteen twenty one. Um, so it harks back to that a lot. So, like I say, there are parts that, that are really quite hard going to watch. Um, but it's so clever. It's so well done. Um, it has a really good mix of like comedy and like harrowing drama. Um, and again, like I said, quite edgy your seat action. So, yeah, it's, it's erased all memory of sitting in a cinema watching the absolute mess of a film <laughs> when I went to see it. But... Um, it's just really good. I think it's been taken off Sky Atlantic now, but um, I highly recommend it. I think it's probably. I think it won lots of Emmys, yeah. or it was certainly nominated for it for lots of Emmys. But Regina King is amazing in it, um, so yeah, I recommend Watchmen. Number two is a, a massive divergence to that, and it's a program called Central Park on Apple TV Plus. Oh, yes. This is um, created by the same people who've done Bob's Burgers. Bob's Burgers is little 20-minute burst of joy mm-hmm. and Central Park's little half-hour burst of joy. And it's a, 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 a animated comedy about the Central Park keeper and his family and all these other characters um, around the park and there's people that want to buy the park that come in it. Um, the songs in it are really good. It's got a lot of people from Hamilton in it, so... Um, Adam Barr from Hamilton's what's his name, the main guy? Leslie Odom Jr. Leslie Odom Jr.'s in it. Um, you've got Kristen Bell, Titus Burgess, Stanley Tucci's in it. What a cast! Josh Gad, oh Andrew Rannells. Um, so loads and loads of good people in it. And the songs are really good and really catchy. And it's, yeah. again, it's it's quite easy to watch, but it's, it's really good. That was a, a total gem of a find. Apple TV Plus is got loads of good programs on it but a lot of them I watched this year so I can't put it in the list but in my best of 2021 we're going to have lots of Apple TV Plus I would think so yeah <laughs> uh, my number one of the year was Better Call Saul mm. I watched the first episode because I was a big Breaking Bad mark um, and I remember when here, like when Breaking Bad finished I was very sad and then I heard that they were making a spin off about Saul Goodman who was his lawyer I was like, yeah, perfect. The first episode bored me to tears and I just didn't bother with it after that. But obviously when lockdown happened, it gave everybody that chance to watch stuff that they were always wanting to watch. So I started with Better Call Saul and it was incredible. 
really, really, really good. Kind of similar to Breaking Bad. You've got your anti-hero who, I mean, he's not quite a meth-making, murdering maniac. He's just a bit of a crooked lawyer. But you know that he's a bit of a bad egg, but his heart's kind of in the right place and you're rooting for him the whole way through. And it is probably better than Breaking Bad, I would I would, I would say. It's, oh, my it's, God. It's genuinely, like... I, don't, I, I can't think of how to describe yeah. how it was better than it. But I seem to remember Breaking Bad having quite a lot of filler episodes. Yeah. Like, you mean the one about the fly? Because, come on. Not even the one about the fly, but the, I think there was a lot of episodes where nothing really happened. It never happens with Better Call Saul. There is always one, at least one part of each episode that you're like, oh my God. So, Better Call Saul is my, my number one pick of last year. If, even if you've not got much of an interest in Breaking Bad, I would still recommend it because it, I don't think you necessarily... There are a few kind of character crossovers and it's nice to see, like, Gus Fring come from the start and Hector and, and people like that. It's, oh, it's, it's, I could talk about it all night, but I'm not going to. But Better Call Saul <laughs> is awfully good. I am. Um, I liked Breaking Bad, right? But it was I started watching it at the time when, like everybody and their dog was losing their mind over it. So it was it came with like an awful lot of hype and I feel like as soon as you add hype into something, it doesn't it, it can live up to it. But I'd, like I I think actually going back to what we're talking about with the books, I think probably the reason that you didn't enjoy Crawdads as much as I did Joe and why I didn't enjoy <clears throat> Before the Coffee Gets Cold is because we both had that like Ugh amazing experience so yeah. for Better Call Saul I was a bit like I mean I could watch it and I think I watched a few episodes <clears throat> but I just have a problem with drama you do <laughs> attention span the drama I'll live for the drama but it's <laughs> like dramatic television I'm like oh, <laughs> I don't know well um, thank you for that anyway Joe that was lovely uh, Joanna hello it is I Um. I have a slightly different configuration. I actually thought I'd have more television shows on it. But when I started to write them down, I realised I'd only started watching them on the 1st of January. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or, like, from the 1st of January onwards. And what that says about my attention span <laughs> is that um, it's not good. Um, however, I do have a top five. So five on my list is also Hamilton. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I just remember... I remember that the day that Hamilton came out, I had been working on, I'd been working full stop, that's enough of a sentence, but um, <laughs> it was like middle of the year, I think, I didn't get logged out until like an hour and a half to two hours after I was supposed to, um, it was the day that Canada's Drag Race also started, so Hez, who is my mum, and I ordered a an afternoon tea to be delivered from the Brunton Theatre in Musselburgh, and so I finished work, we started on the afternoon tea, we watched Canada's Drag Race, and then we watched Hamilton, and I think I sobbed all the way through it. <laughs> and I've watched it like four or five times since then, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it is three hours, so it is... Yeah. <laughs> so there's a lot. <laughs> a hefty chunk of time, so that has got me through that soundtrack as well. That soundtrack I used to listen to start to finish when I was writing my dissertation. And then yeah. I t- like I get all the way from the start to the end of the album, and then take a break, take a break, didn't mean it. <laughs> I'd then go and get like a coffee or something so it was just back to that like that feeling I was just like I felt accomplished even though I'd done nothing <laughs> um, which was great so yeah. 
Funnily was... enough, though, actually, Joanna, we discovered it at the same time at uni mm-hmm. because I listened to it when I was on the train to uni. Mm-hmm. We both went, if, you, if you're a first-time listener, Joanna and I went to uni together. And I think maybe they listened to the whole... I surely didn't listen to the whole thing. But I certainly remember coming to, like, Ladybank Station... Or like going through Lady Bank Station when it got to its quiet uptown and just crying <laughs> yes. on the train. Like I remember, so, the reason I got into Hamilton, it was one of the songs. I, I couldn't tell you which one now, but one of the songs was in a playlist on Spotify, and I was like, "Oh, interesting." So then I went and had a flick, and then I was like, "Wow, obsessed! Great, another thing I need to be obsessed with. That's not my work. Amazing." <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's been a big, a big help this year. I think, like you're saying, in their corporate wisdom. Um, it genuinely like gave me such joy when it came out. I was like, "Thank God, thank God, I can see it." Because I've seen it on the stage as well, and it's just I miss that. I miss going to a theater. So bringing yeah. the theater to you in a way. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um. So that was number five. Number four, I've got Knives Out. Oh, um, oh, that was good. Yes, which stars um Daniel Craig as Benoit Blanc, who has <laughs> most. I find the most aggravating southern accent I've heard in my entire life. But it's fine because he's a phenomenal actor. But then you've got Chris Evans, Jamie Lee Curtis, um, Tony Collette, Michael Shannon. And it's obviously like a, a whodunit, who, like who killed um, Thromby. That's that's their last name. Um, who killed um, him and who, who wanted to bump him off. And it's I think it's just such a good twist and turn of a... Of a a movie like when I first saw advertised, I was like, "That's going to be good," and then I watched it, and it's one of the only ones I've watched that I've not been disappointed by who did it. If you know what I mean, like it mm. wasn't obvious, um, and I just thought it was so smart. And every single one of those characters were such caricatures, but still so believable. Yeah, I just I loved it. Such a good who done it. Such a good way to suspend like two hours because I was on the edge of my seat. Like this is amazing. Um, and I didn't then, expect to enjoy that one, but I did. Yeah, no, that, I was the same because my mom, my mom really wanted to watch it. So I was like, right, we'll put it on. I went in thinking, okay, it'll be good. And then I was just sitting there hooked on it. So uh, obviously it came... Oh, sorry? Sorry, I have to say with that one as well, what I liked about it is that I was so glad that Ryan Johnson got a yes. comeback after everything that happened with Star Wars. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um, yeah. he had nothing but abuse online for like two years for the Star Wars film, which wasn't my favourite, but, you know... It's not worthy of two years' worth of abuse, though, is it? No, no. and with that one, with the Star Wars thing... Sorry. I was just so glad that he got to make, like, quite a critically acclaimed Mm -hmm. and publicly acclaimed, like, hit of a film. Yeah. With um, with the Star Wars thing, I think that's probably only partly his responsibility, if at all, because I think he was probably making a film that he wanted to make... Um, but then he probably had interference from Disney who were like, no, no, you need to do it this way. And there's probably an awful lot coming and going. And the fact that like they just retcon a lot of what he did mm-hmm. in the third film of that particular yeah. trilogy, to its detriment, if they just kept it going, probably would have been better. But yeah, yeah. I'm not going to Star Wars now, but yeah, I think it, I feel sorry for him, but it was an excellent film, so good choice. Didn't even think of that one. No, I've actually got, so I've got two points to make on what you just said, Paul, is, mm-hmm. and actually, Joe, what you said about Ryan Johnson, he's writing the sequel. So... Yes. He's obviously going to be involved in the sequel because they're having um, Daniel Craig come back as Benoit Blanc to investigate something new, which I think is fab because yeah. I think out of all the cat, obviously it would it would not make sense having that same family again. But 
he is, like I say, such a caricature, but still really believable as a character that I think it's such a smart decision. Yeah. And people did enjoy it. People loved the movie. So, big fan. And the other thing I was going to I was like, oh my God, my thought is gone because there's my attention span <laughs> disappearing into the ether. But actually, what I was going to say about um, what you said about Ryan Johnson and having interference from the studio, I think is the same to an extent what happened to Suicide Squad because mm. that movie, there, you can literally get to a point in that movie and you, you can see where the studio got involved because yeah. I think what happened is Batman versus Superman had tanked, or not tanked, but it wasn't as popular as they'd expected so they panicked and then went back and said, no, you can't do that and it's the bit after they leave, if you've seen Suicide Squad you'll know this, but it's the point after they leave the army base that's where it loses the essence of that movie for me. I think up to that point, they were making the movie they wanted to make, and then after that, it was what the studio told them they had to do. Yeah. Personal opinion. It's funny that, though. You just... Yeah, you think, like, if somebody's that invested, like, you're not going to do a film like Star Wars or, like, something involved in, like, a comic book franchise unless you are totally immersed in that world because you have to understand the weight that comes with it. Like, you're not going to just do that, like, half-heartedly. Mm-hmm. Just, studios should have more trust in their their creatives. I, I agree. Feel. I agree. But um, number three on my list is actually The Hunger Games. Because <gasps> I went through... Um, I like So this is a bit of um, introspection here. So I feel like I am the most connected to my sense of self than I've ever been. So as 25-year-old Joanna, I am like, I know me. I know who I am. I know what I like, what I don't like. I know what I, what's important to me. But at the same time, 15-year-old Joanna's in the background going, let's listen to All Time Low and watch all the movies that we used to watch to feel joy. <laughs> so, the Hunger Games, I literally... I don't, yeah, Paul, definitely I texted you when I was watching them. I yeah. watched the trilogy maybe every week for about four weeks. Just because oh it, it brought me such joy. And I can't tell you why, because some of the movies, like parts of the movies are trash and the books are way better because they bring there's way more in the books than there are in the movies there are bits missing out that I'm like you should never miss that out but at the same time I'm just like yes I must watch this again Yeah. so because I watched it so much it had to make it into my, my top 5 and because it gives me such joy it is at number 3 Good. Um, number 2 is actually a television show and it is Prodigal Son which, I've heard people talking about this. Yes, so it's on Sky. Um, I think I watch it on Now TV, but I think it may be Sky Witness that it's on. Um, and it stars Michael Sheen as a serial killer. And oh, sorry, someone's like I can hear someone rustling. <laughs> oh, maybe me. Sorry. Okay. Um, it's still Copeland. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so yeah, it stars Michael Sheen as a serial killer, and then. Thomas Paine, who was in The Walking Dead, as his son. Um, uh, um, Michael Sheen's in a facility. He obviously he murdered loads of people. Duh. Um, <laughs> Thomas Paine, this isn't, this isn't any, any spoilers either, but Thomas Paine, um, as his son, phoned the police on his dad when he was younger. Um, and that's kind of what it all starts. He is Mal- uh, Malcolm, who is Thomas Paine's character, is an FBI profiler. Um, who works with the NYPD? So he like solves crimes while his father commits them. Very full circle. Um, and then Bellamy Young plays his mum, 
and she is just amazing. I think she's a phenomenal actress. She's in Scandal, Paul. I'm watching Scandal just now, but mm-hmm. nah, and she's just amazing. Um, and Lou Diamond Phillips is also in it as a police officer, which my mom is obsessed with. <laughs> um, but it's really good because there's a lot of times that you think Malcolm might not quite have the, uh, the grasp on reality that he portrays to. So there are sometimes you think, or oh, are you more like your dad than you think you are as a serial killer? Mm-hmm. Uh, I really, really highly recommend it as a show because it's so smart and parts are really creepy but you're still like, this is genius. Mm-hmm. So, highly recommend it. Very smart television. That. Very smart television. Very well written. It's still funny as well. Like, Michael Sheen is just... An, he's, an act, he's an actor. Let's just yes. actor. So he's, he's fantastic. It's like you gave him a serial killer and he went, how can I make it funny? <laughs> so recommend that. That's the only TV show on my list um, because my number one of 2020 was Bombshell which I don't know if either of you have seen it but it is about the women at Fox News um, who set out to expose their CEO Roger Ailes for sexual harassment Um, and it's kind of towards the beginning of the Me Too movement Um, and the cast is just phenomenal you've got Charlize Theron, Nicole Kidman Margot Robbie um, John Lithgow plays Roger Ailes, so he is a massive creep. Um, you've got Kate McKinnon, Alison Janney. Like, it's just such an amazing cast. Um, and I don't think it did very well in cinemas, but it was Oscar-nominated. Um, and I, I can see why. I, like, my mum mom wasn't as into it as me, but I watched that the day after I watched Knives Out, and I was like, this is incredible. Yeah. It's just amazing because you get to see all, all different like this sounds, but like all different parts of the sexual harassment spectrum because you've got characters who were sexually harassed when they were younger and prettier and fitter are now older so are not considered in the same way that they were when they weren't good looking as it was. And then you've got actresses at like, the beginning of their career being sexually harassed because they're beautiful. Mm-hmm. And it's very, very striking to watch. And it's set against the, uh, which is a true story, I believe. Um, Charlize Theron's character, she plays a news anchor who insults Donald Trump at the 2016 Republican Party conference. And that is true because she got all this hate online. Like, they called, like, the things she got called online were just disgusting. Did you not say she looked like that? And it went to NBC. Mm-hmm. It was, was Megan Kelly. Megan Kelly. The, We've been in her studio. The resemblance we have been in her studio. The resemblance between or the makeup that they've done mm-hmm. on Charlize Theron and make her look the spitting image of Megan mm-hmm. Kelly is outrageous. Is was that not the one where he spoke? He said, "Oh, I spoke to her, and there was like blood coming out of her or something like that because it looked like like bad surgery." Or is that her? Um, no, he said he did tweet a lot about um, her being on her period. Of that, like oh. the night, all like that that night where she insulted him at the Republican National Convention, um, he tweeted about like obviously tweeted fucking, ugh. slime. But um, yeah, so and then she had to like go <laughs> online like defend herself, and she refused to do certain things, and that's when it all started because Megan Kelly, I think obviously you guys know, but she sat very much on the fence as much as she could because her career, she knew that without Roger Ailes, she would be de- like demoted essentially like Nicole Kidman's character that's what happens to her 
um, she saw that as her future, but she just gets harassed by the papar- like paparazzi, by the news. They take photos of her kids. Like when they're on holiday, they follow her. It's just horrendous, but it's such an amazing movie. And the end of that yeah. is incredibly satisfying. I see. And I will say this: they make the Murdochs attractive, which I'll never forgive them for because, let's be honest, some of the earth. Yeah, <laughs> But yeah, that was my yeah. that was my favorite of twenty twenty. Interesting. Yeah. I've not watched that one, the bombshell one. But I think, did you, Joe? You've not watched it either, have you? No. Nah. Nah. Recommend. Let's speak about it though. Make it so Amazon watch, Prime you know. for anyone who would like to watch. <laughs> yeah, seen it there. I might mean, should maybe give it a watch at some point. That'd be cool. I am, and the time we've been talking, actually, I've actually changed one of my selections. <laughs> so instead of having one movie and five TV shows, I have five TV shows. I love this. Um, <laughs> and they're not even in any sort of order, so I'm just going to read them as I have them. Um, the first one is, we spoke about the book earlier, is Normal People. Um, I really, really enjoyed Normal People. I thought, like, I, I've never really been able to formulate my thoughts on it well because so much but also so little happens. Um, I think it's, it's kind of like a, a thinking person's love story in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And that like, it's really complicated and it's, it's it looks at obviously their, their love story, but it also looks at their individual circumstances a lot more than what you would get in a normal love story. Um, and the way that it plays is so like, it, it's almost like a really like drawn out indie film, but without being like cloying. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I just really, really, really enjoyed it, and I would, I would recommend anybody gives it a watch. Um, and also Paul Mescal's in it. Yeah, so, just about to say, are you not going to mention the the main reason people of watch course. it? Of course, like because there's a bit of peen. Oh. If that's to your liking, <clears throat> plenty of bum. Mm-hmm. I mean, but again, that, I hasten to add that is not the reason I enjoyed that. I just enjoyed it because it was a really, really well done series. Um, and that's kind of what you were saying about the Handmaid's Tale, Joanna. Like. They, there, there is no second series of normal people incoming because they they ended it as the book ends. I think I think it's exactly as the they same. should. Exactly, it's just a one shot, one series. Very good. Um, the second one I'm going to say is it's actually series four, um, of the Crown. Yeah, you did. You um, did love the Crown. <laughs> oh, I fucking love the Crown. Now, I know that there are certain people on this call. <laughs> who don't love the royal family um, my feelings on them are probably more towards I think Sam. as a, a <laughs> no, no I think as a, as a structure in this country they no longer serve a purpose um, I don't think they have for hundreds of years, if even then um, but I, I think that as a, a story it's very interesting how they um, fit into the way that we digest information changes, so like I'm fascinated by the idea of a royal family where there's all these like like reddits and all like Me Too movement, all that kind of stuff, like how that works. And I think exploring the relationship with Diana, it's made it like almost kind of event television. Yeah. And I think series four by having that double hitter of having Margaret Thatcher played by the beautiful Gillian Anderson oh. and like incredibly <gasps> well played. And I've just realised I forgot more. to mention the show that I was obsessed with that Gillian Anderson was in, but please carry on. I will discuss it at the end. <laughs> we'll do it at the end. I know exactly what you're going to say. <laughs> um, so by having Gillian uh, Anderson playing Thatcher and, the, oh, what's her name? This is terrible. The girl that played Diana. Oh. Um, 
I can find it really easily. I will while I'm talking. I think having those two, and I think people got really up in arms about showing Charles and Diana's relationship, pretty much because I think it just showed up Prince Charles a little bit. Because, like, it's like that didn't happen. But, I mean, obviously, they, they, they go to great lengths to point out that it is a fictionalised yeah. version of what actually did happen, but not kicking the Everyone ass off Everyone could like, see that it wasn't a happy yeah. marriage. That's and it. it, it was completely really obvious. Yeah. Exactly. So I feel it just was really well done. Emma Corrin yeah. played Princess Emma Diana. Corrin. And she played it phenomenally well. It just is a re- And I think as well, like, I understand they've thrown millions and millions and millions and millions of pounds at series of The Crown, but it just shows. It just is such a well done TV show. And it's really, I just, I just really, really enjoyed it. Um, my third one um, is going to be The Mandalorian mm. on Disney Plus, which I did not expect to enjoy because Joe and I watched the first episode together. We were the first two episodes, and I was bored. And I, again, as we've mentioned, I'm bored very easily. So just did not expect to enjoy it in any way whatsoever. But I actually found that the more I watched it, the more I enjoyed it. Um, and I'm not going to say anything about it because it's just a really interesting series, um, and it's one of the. It's a really good example of like you could watch like every single episode, and it like of its own merit. Like you don't really need to know a great deal about the rest of the story to enjoy each episode. Yeah. But the last episode of it is like, cry, 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 cry. <laughs> like, it's so, so good. Um, and I don't know, like, I come and go on, like, the baby Yoda, obviously it's not his name, but the child, I won't spoil it, <laughs> um, is a very merchandisable character. I don't know if they knew that he was going to be as big. Like, he's the reason I wanted to watch the show. I think because. Before he comes into it, though, it takes itself so seriously. Like, it's this really stern man who just shoots lots of aliens. And then suddenly at the end, there's just this adorable, precious little bean. And it just it changes the whole dynamic from this really serious bounty hunter to, like, this little baby. I don't know. I just, I really enjoyed it. And I didn't expect to enjoy it as much as I did. But I'm glad I watched it. What's um, interesting so, about the man, sorry. What's interesting about the Mandalorian okay. as well, I know people who don't like Star Wars. Who have enjoyed Mandalorian? Yeah, that's good. That's Which what you want. Interesting. Yeah, that's um, I, I don't I don't see how they can enjoy it though. Like I because I, I feel like it is it is plainly Star Wars. But I don't think I I think if you acknowledge Star Wars, you enjoy it more and you'll know more about the characters. But I think I don't think Star Wars is essential for you to understand what's going on. You could think no, of it well, as like a space western TV show. Oh, it's very western. Yeah, it is. I suppose the actual Star Wars films are like a space soap opera in a lot of ways. And this yeah. is more like they're taking a western, which was very interesting um, as a, as a viewer. Um, I don't want to. I say the next one I'm going to say um, is this is the one I actually added in just while we we're talking because I'd completely forgotten about it, which doesn't detract from how much I enjoyed it, but I just had forgotten about it. And it is Love Victor. Mm. Um, oh, that's coming to Disney Plus. Yes, it is. It is, it is, it is. Um, I don't like, well, so here's the thing, right? Just very, very quick tangent, if I may. They've announced all these shows and stuff that are going on to this star section of Disney Plus, but they've not confirmed what's going on what regions yet. So it might go on Disney Plus. I really hope it does because I think people need to see it. Um, I found it um, online. That's all I'll say. Um, I didn't. 
wasn't and it's stressed, okay. You can, you, can, you can just go yeah, in we'll, the we'll way we'll like we'll 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 um, I really, really, really enjoyed it. So, um, Love's Victor is set in the, I suppose, what's colloquially known as the Simon verse. Yeah. Um, Becky Albertalli wrote a book called Simon vs. the Homo Sapiens Agenda, and then she wrote another book called Upside of the Unrequited, and another book called Leah on the Offbeat. The latter is a direct sequel to uh, Simon vs. the Homo Sapiens Agenda, and Upside of Unrequited is vaguely related, um, vaguely related. Um, and then the movie was made of oh. Simon, which was called Love Simon, and it is wonderful. Love Victor is set in the same school, um, same town, but it's a very different family. Victor is uh, the son of a Hispanic family, um, and they're a lot more, we'll say traditional, in the sense that they... Um, I think they probably have more traditional Christian values and maybe some more old world values than perhaps Simon's family did. And it's a really interesting, slightly darker take on a, a coming out story. Um, I don't want to say too much, but it is really, really, really good. And the cat, there's there's a couple of little cameos in there that if you enjoyed Simon, you might like. Um, also Katia, Katia Lodzkova, oh. who's a world famous drag queen, <laughs> featured in the episode, which is unexpected but very fun. Um, so love Victor. If it does come to Disney Plus, definitely, definitely, definitely watch it. Um, and my final one, and the reason I left it to last was because we kind of touched on it earlier, was The Handmaid's Tale. Um, I had watched the first episode or two, um, and I think I watched it before I read the Testaments. And it was interesting because I think what's fascinating about why. The Handmaid's Tale was made is because the the book came out in the 80s but has become more popular because of Donald Trump getting elected um, because people have seen that it was was a sexist, racist pig who they were like, oh well, obviously it's going to impact the rights of people in America. And obviously it did. Um, His election did impact that. But I think the popularity and the renewed energy from it came from that. And it was <clears throat> because of those concerns. So I think the TV show goes in a direction which is almost cautionary. So I understand, like, Joel, why you say it is really depressing, because it is really depressing. It's just it's miserable what happens. And particularly, I think it's the first episode of the second series, has one of the most harrowing moments of TV ever. Like, it is so hard to watch. But, I don't know, it's just... I really, really, really enjoyed it. And I think it was... Um, it's escapism in the sense that obviously it's dreadful what happens in it but it's a sense of like okay things are bad but they're not things are bad in real life just now but they're not so bad that the the um the tide can't be turned yeah. um, and I think that's what I enjoyed about it and I think it's, as well it's, it's clearly being done by people who are very invested in Margaret Atwood's um Gilead, because it's it ties in really well with it. And I think as well, um, certainly in the Handmaid's Tale, that, yeah, in the Handmaid's Tale in the book and obviously the TV show, none of the stuff that happens is something that isn't currently happening somewhere in the world, and or is is that is what we're trying to say? It's something that either currently happens or has happened in history in the developed world. Um, is what I'm trying to say. So I think the TV show might be the same. Some of it obviously is like a bit too far. You would hope it didn't happen. But um, I really, really, really enjoyed The Handmaid's Tale. 
and it gets more optimistic as it goes on. I will say that much. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have any more thoughts about The Handmaid's Tale or if you got them all out earlier. Just, I, I, I just don't want to watch it. I know you say it does get a little bit more hopeful, and I have seen it get more hopeful, but mm-hmm. there is that one particular scene, and I don't know if it's the same one you were talking about, where um, that Kate Bush song's playing. Yes, it is that one. Uh, that was it for me. I thought, I, I can't watch uh, a show that makes me just feel like this, so I don't, I don't want to yeah. anymore. I think, yeah, that is it's really hard to watch, but I think it's really interesting how the character of um, Offred, what's her real name again? Elizabeth Moss. No, I know it's Elizabeth Moss, but what's, I know she's Offred, June. and what's her? June how June's character progresses as the story goes on. Um, and you see her, and there's this tussle between Offred or whatever man she's wife to, or a handmaid to at that point, uh, but like fighting against her own self. It's like, a, it's, it's fighting between like a survival instinct, but also a need to rebel and to, to, to break out. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just, and I, I can't even tell you, like I just did not expect to enjoy it at all. I'm, shocked that I enjoyed it but I think Jono you were saying earlier I think Joanna you said it too you're not huge fans of Margaret Atwood's work um, or you you don't enjoy it as much but I'm a massive fan of Margaret Atwood like massive and um, so I was I I wanted to to watch it to get more about it Mm -hmm. and I think I enjoyed it definitely more than I thought I would definitely more so that was my top five of 2020 in terms of films and TV. I'll say as well, um, sorry, just to, to, oh. to, to piggyback onto that. And I is very good as Aunt Lydia. She is very, very oh, good. Oh, yeah. But yeah. she is the exact same character pretty much that she played in a programme called The Leftovers. Yes. Where she was she was kind of a, a bad egg in that. And she was a frustratingly horrible character, but she was so good at that character that you kind of yeah. have to just respect her. Yeah. Leftovers is a very yeah. good programme, mm-hmm. if anyone's interested. That was the one about After the Rapture, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I think that was an, an interesting thing about The Handmaid's Tale as well, was the power struggle between uh, Aunt Lydia and June slash Offred. I loved that. Mm-hmm. I'm disappointed that the pandemic has delayed Series 4. I think it's back filming, and it certainly was, so it should hopefully be out soon enough, but I don't know, typically me to finish it when they announce a delay to the next series coming <laughs> out, but I enjoyed that a whole lot. Um, so, my secret final question before we go into AOB is, what do you hope people learn from 2020, either creatively or in human terms? Now, I'm going to go first for this one because I have an answer because I've thought about it. But I'm going to give you guys time to think about it. So that is, what do you hope people learn from 2020? And again, either creatively or in human terms. Um, for me, I'm going to say creatively, I hope that we stop casting people mm-hmm. in roles that are grossly inappropriate for them. Now, it's a really Scarlett complicated Hansen. debate about <laughs> Scarlett Johansson playing every role under the sun. <laughs> but... I think there's a really interesting argument just now which currently rages about, um, for instance, gay men playing gay men instead of straight men playing gay men. Now, I personally, I, I, 
I understand. I think we should always want to lift people up and give a broader spectrum of people more opportunities. I understand that. But I don't necessarily have an issue with somebody playing a role as long as it's done respectfully. And I, I mean that from the only one I can, I'm really qualified to talk about, which is gay men. I don't mean people playing roles that are like, you know, like Scarlett Johansson playing a Chinese person. or Do you know what I mean? Like, I, th- I think that's crossing a line when it comes to like ethnicity. But specifically, the example that I'm thinking of is The Prom, which got a lot of controversy this year um, with James Corden playing the role that he played. It didn't need to be James Corden. There is absolutely no way that that role needed to be James Corden. And I think because of his portrayal of that character, I'm sure he doesn't care. It's the only reason it didn't make it into my top five of this year, because otherwise that was excellent. It was a really, really well done film. It was like a big love letter to musicals and Meryl Streep was great in it. Nicole Kidman was great. The girl that played the lead, whose name I forget, Caitlin Kent, no, she's maybe on Broadway. I don't know. I really enjoyed the prom, but I was so offended. Like, I don't use that word lightly, like deeply, deeply offended by what James Corden did in that film where he played up every possible stereotype and then later through the film, as his character developed more, he cried at one point. I'm like, all right, but because he's trying to quantify this by portraying emotion, I'm supposed to just accept that. Nah, don't accept that at all. <clears throat> For that role, you could have had... I could probably name you five actors who should have played that role or who should have at least been given a chance to play that role before you go to a, a straight man playing off every single offensive gay stereotype. And I know that they're doing the film with the Jungle Cruise and I think Jack Whitehall's in it. And I've grown to quite like Jack Whitehall and I, but I think he's playing a gay character. And I'm like, I, I don't understand why this keeps happening it's 2021 yeah we we should be past the point where we are starting to leave behind those stereotypes fair enough if it's integral to the character but make it integral to the character james corden had a lisp played... in the prom a lisp. yeah which is just because the most offensive because like see so like when i first seen the trailer what came into my mind was cam from modern family but cam from yeah. modern family doesn't bother me because even though <clears throat> Is a, a straight man playing a really quite a camp, larger than life character. I do think it is done quite respectfully. Yeah, and, and I think as well with Cam. Sorry, well, just really quickly, he. It's not a huge departure from, I forget the man's name, but how he acts in real life. Like yeah. you watch interviews with him. That's kind of what he's like. Yeah. But sorry, I, I cut you off there. No, it's okay. But I, I totally agree, and it's been reignited because Russell T Davis has said that. Um, it doesn't want straight men playing the gay characters, but which I understand. But I do think because you have something, and I know you maybe weren't the biggest fan, but call me by your name. So Timothy Chalamet and Army Hammer are both straight. One of them, will we'll not say much about. Nope, I leave that alone. <laughs> um, but again, that was done, and and. A respectable way. It wasn't. There was no stereotypes to play up. It was just a love story. James Corden. It was. It was. You could tell he was going over the top. Yeah, I just. I, I'm with you. I found it offensive in every single yeah. way. And Ryan Murphy really, really should know better. Yeah, because look at Pose. Yeah, Pose is a, a, a cast full of queer and trans people of color. Like that is 
a, an exemplary cast because it's a really, really well-told story over two series where he has absolutely truthfully cast the show. Regardless and just, of, of, and no offence to the minute, but regardless of acting ability. Yeah, like some cases are better than others, like, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. But it's it's a show that is, it's a story that is told by the people for whom the story is portraying sort of thing. Yeah. And I think, we're, going back to Corden for a sec, like, I feel like I really wanted to see The Prom, like, as a show, but it closed really, really, really quickly on Broadway, or quicker than it should have. <clears throat> before the pandemic even started and I don't know if it'll ever come to the West End but I just there had to be a different way and I think they've kind of grossly overestimated his popularity because if you look at like the billing on the poster, the first poster went Meryl Streep, James Corden, Nicole Kidman I'm sorry but in what fucking universe Oscar winning Nicole well, Kidman <laughs> Celebrity Overdriver James Corden <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry. I, I really like, I love things like Gavin and Stacey and some of the stuff he's done, like, on, on karaoke is, is, is brilliant. A really, really clever thing to do. Yeah, but I just, I found the prom, like, it really hampered my enjoyment of it. Like, at some point, I think I looked past it, but he's a, it'd be different if he was like a bit character, but he's one of the main characters in the film. Like, I don't know, I'm ranting now, but Ooh. yeah. That's one thing then. I would leave behind. I, I agree you. with you. But yeah, that's one thing I would leave behind. And I suppose, like, in human terms, what I hope people learn from 2020 is just to be respectful. Mm-hmm. Like, you look at what happened in the capital at the start of this year, oh. and we've still got a long way to go. But it's um, funky world we're living in. People don't seem to see that. They're just thinking about number one. All you have to look at is people's attitudes towards masks and be like, well, it doesn't protect you, oh. no, but it protects everyone are you, else. Are you, are you needing rain then a wee bit? I think I'm done. Don't worry. <laughs> don't worry. I've, I've made my point. <clears throat> I'm not getting into that because I will be here another hour. Um, but anyway, so that's me. So do any of you guys have anything what, what you hope people will learn from 2020? Yeah. I have two. Joanna, I'll, okay, I'll, okay, I'll let you go first. Okay, thanks. I'm not going to say no. I'm not going to argue. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I think this is something I've been saying um, to you, Paul, more recently. Um, but I, and this goes for creatively and as people, but I think we need, and people throw this word around and I don't think they actually understand what it means, but authentic. Like I just feel like, especially over the past nine months, living in my room, like I've, I've spent more time in my bedroom since up, like than since I was fifteen. This is ridiculous. Like, but I am no longer going to apologize or pretend like I like something or don't like something just for other people. Like there are things that I have watched or read or done during lockdown that other people might not like or whatever. But I'm not going to let anyone make me feel some kind of way for liking what I like anymore and I'm applying that to my personal life and to work it's a case of I am no longer going to give people the power over me to make me feel like I am not enough or not capable of doing something just because we don't agree with each other I love that and I think that's That's something yeah I think that's something we can take as people but creatively as well like I think there are people out there that turn out stories left right and center like they can just write them and just get them out and they don't really have a purpose but I think out of the fiction that I've read and the fiction that I'm excited to read 
are people that have sat down and said, this is a story I want to write because I think it needs to be told. And that mm. is something that I'm going to actively choose to read more of. And I would like authors to do that more. Like I get there are people yeah. whose avenue into reading is like what I would call like fluff or like romance novels. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that because you as a person, that is what you need to read. That is absolutely, yeah. but for myself, I am going to seek out literature as it was that has been written for a purpose or gives you some kind of introspection and reflection onto who you are as a person. Yeah. So. Very interesting. Actually, one thing you said about there about being authentic, um, I heard it the other day from Carrie Hope Fletcher, oh, who I'm a yes. huge fan of. She said, um, don't listen to the opinions mm-hmm. of people that you wouldn't ask for one or something mm-hmm. like that. Like, it's that thing of just like, don't let anybody or don't don't take on board and consider the opinions of somebody especially negative ones that are not solicited basically like you wouldn't ask them for their advice why would you want their opinion yeah they're actively trying to tear you down so why would you go out of your way to take their criticism on board rather than listen to the people that are trying to lift you up like there are always parts like if you apply that to work for example there are always parts where constructive criticism feedback it can be a gift and it can help you become better at what it is that you do but if Mm -hmm. all you do is focus on the negative you're never going to get better and to decide what it is that's important to yourself like I don't need to be told all day every day that I am the god's gift to my job even though I am Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) I don't need to hear it but at the same time if I am told oh you did this wrong or that was a mistake it's a all right okay well I'm never going to do that again and I learn from it Mm-hmm. it's not a case of exactly. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to internalize it and take it personally like it is what it is so it's an active because it is active you have to do it because we've been we've grown up in an, an age of social media where you are bombarded with information or how you should act how you should look but it's an active like choice for me to drown out the negative parts of that and only focus on the positive part so yeah that's what i hope people take into this that's year good. yeah i do too we all be a lot happier yeah. That's good. Thank you for that, Joanna. Joe, what about you? Mine's is actually really similar <laughs> to well, the first one of mine is really ah. similar to that, and it's it's professional reviewers mm-hmm. reviewing things in a nasty way. So, like, mm-hmm. I'm a I, obviously like I don't mind uh, reviewers of things. I, 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 I some of them are very good. I'm a huge fan of Mark Kermode, the film reviewer for the BBC. Yeah, um, but there's it's kind of brought to my mind recently because I don't know if anyone's seen it, but Katie Mulligan's in a new film where she plays a rape victim and she goes after the men that have raped her. It's called Promising Young Women Ooh. and Variety reviewed it. And they basically said she's not believable because of how she looks. And there was a line in the review that said Margot Robbie is a producer for this film and it makes sense that the role would have initially been intended for her. And they basically compared Kerry Mulligan to a drag act. What? And the so she was like, no, no, I'm not having this. So she went to Variety, said, "What? Is, that's horrendous. What is this all about? They, before the, like, so they've kept the review up, but there's like a appendix before it that basically apologises 
so loads of people are now going like off their heads about it one way or another like some people are saying you know you need to let critics be critics and other people are saying well no no they're there to critique the film they're not there to make personal attacks on someone um so there's been a big ding dong about that and then like last year there's a book paul that you got for your christmas called ghosts by dolly alderton Mm. and there was a big kind of thing about that as well because a reviewer in the irish times um reviewed it and was quite personally horrible about it so one of the lines he says the prose is thick like mayonnaise and it brought me nothing but pain and disappointment and i just think like obviously you have to review the books and the films and whatever in the way that you've seen them but like you were saying like you need to be a bit more respectful and that's something that's really got under my skin the last couple of days and i think I don't know. I just because you need. I just. I just think because as well, not to get on a soapbox, but Oof. the two reviewers in question are old white men talking about yeah. young women, yeah, young successful women, and the, yeah, the you can review something negatively, and like I say, Mark Kermode does it all the time. Reviews stuff, and his rants are famous, but he never ever ever goes in personally on someone. Yeah, and with Mark Kermode as well, what he does so well is I think that he. Because you can tell he's someone with like vast, spe- specifically film experience, who can break stuff down and say, "I get what they were trying to do, but it maybe wasn't successful." Yeah, and like that's fine. And like you say, nobody says you can't have a difference of opinion. But the problem is perspective. And I think equally, maybe not quite the same. But when you read like a BuzzFeed article that says something like twelve films that were actually bad, and it's some like random little twelve year old in like Illinois who's like, "I didn't like Harry Potter." It's like okay, well, objectively, millions of other people do, yeah, and that's fine. You can have a like, it's it's not quantifiable to say that was actually bad because I thought it was. Yeah. That's bullshit. Fuck off with that. Excuse me, sorry, but no, I hundred percent agree with you. Um, my other point, and this would be steps on what I've just said, but I think you've got all these people who are massively creative who have been stuck in their houses for a year have surely got ideas coming out of their ears of good things to do can we please please leave and paul (laughs) you can shut your ears off to this one oh no but can we please leave the vast majority of reality tv in the past (laughs) i like real housewives (laughs) we and in the year that we've had and the, the economic downturn that we're probably going to have we don't need to be sitting watching people lavishly talk about money that they haven't really earned talking about how they're going to spend it in their big fancy houses that does no good for anybody's mental health and i think that is something that needs to be left behind in 2008 i funnily enough don't disagree with you right but i I do have a rebuttal okay and i would i would welcome a rebuttal to my rebuttal however (laughs) Um, I think the problem is that the reason that reality TV is where it is now is because, and I'm not saying it's entirely their fault, but there was a writer's strike and the dem- writers demanded more money. Reality TV mobilised because they were like, well, actually, we don't need to script anything. We can create situations. We can get these volatile people together, throw them in a room and be like, hey, <laughs> A, ask B this question and just watch the fireworks. 
So as much as you say it is staged, it is to an extent, but I think that's why it's cheaper because you don't need writers. Yeah. Um, it costs them half the thing. So, but no, I do agree with you. I think it's it's quite depressing. Like, at obviously our long and torrid discussions about Real Housewives, we're always going to disagree on that mm-hmm. one. Um, but things like when I see things like Married at First Sight, like I know people enjoy that. Oh, no, right? quite, I'm not coming for people. Was that not the one I quite like that? Was that the one where they were in the booths? No, that was it. Was like that. No, that was the one on Netflix. I forget what that was called. But there's one that's like married at first sight that I know that people love, and it's like you want to see that gays are crushing this act to your marriage. Literally, like, by the way. But stuff like that. No, so I, I I don't disagree with you. You know, although I will say I have watched over the last don't know how many years, specifically since like 2019, watched the majority of. 488 episodes of Real Housewives. Oh. So you can see where my resentment is coming from because they're watched in my living room. I mean... <laughs> oh, <no>. my. <laughs> but like, but listen, I, 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 I appreciate that they obviously have an audience, but I think you've got the most creative minds in the world who, like I say, surely must have better ideas or more entertaining things to watch than rich women talking about how hard they work when they're doing charity events. It's like the whole thing with the influencers nowadays in Dubai. They're talking about how hard they work and they're getting 20 grand for an Instagram post of them drinking a cocktail by a pool as the rest of us are living in misery. I do think it's the same thing as that. These, like, there are, like, you look at, like, the people who are on in musicals and you see them, like, basically saying they've got no money (laughs) because their entire industry's been taken away. And these are people with genuine, like, gifted talent who are struggling yeah. and you know what if these women are and these people who make these programs are getting the opportunity to be paid to show their lives and good for them but I, I, I just there can't really be any more <laughs> no more Andy Cohen I'm challenging well, you to no more he believe it or not right I want to say because I, I don't think he merits my defence but he doesn't have anything to do with that anybody he just hosts the um, reunions Um. No, I agree with you. I think there. I think yeah, in a world where it is like challenging, and I don't know, like I've never understood that though. Like you know how you remember, you know how you get the um the rich kids go broke programs and things like that. I've never understood what the audience for that is. Yeah, like I, I got people. I got it with the Kardashians because they were at least quite interesting, but. I, I just I, I struggle to see an audience, and that's why maybe I, I think I'm so resentful to them. Mm-hmm. It's probably as well because you have to watch so many different thingies. But I mean, I try and watch them on my iPad, and you're like, you can watch them on the telly, and I'm like, yeah, okay. But I'm just obviously you know. a masochist. That's no problem. That's it. But um, I was going to say something else in relation to what you had said, but I've totally forgotten what it was. Um. <laughs> Never mind. But that was my two things, the, the nasty reviewers. No. I th- I'm not a massive Carrie Mulligan fan, but I felt really sorry for her because I think, sure, she's an actress who's made loads of money and she probably won't bother her, but just think, imagine reading that and, like, someone whose job it is to critique your work is saying she's not hot enough to be raped. Imagine, like, our family reading that. I know. Why did they not get That's Margot Robbie th- to do it? And she's probably already yeah. struggling because... Margot Robbie's now getting roles that it's like what you were saying with Bombshell, Joanna. Mm. It's like Margot Robbie's probably now getting roles and opportunities that Carrie Mulligan, because she's a little bit older, isn't getting. So 
I just I just thought it was disgusting. I totally disgusted That's with rotten. Way. That's so rotten. Mm-hmm. Aye, well, I agree. It's disgust like hopefully those get left behind. Um but I think we have to be the change. I don't know how we do that in lockdown, but sure think of something. Um but I think that brings us quite neatly towards the end of the of the old podcast. Um Joanna, you had some podcasts you wanted to I did, on. yeah. Um there are two specifically that I have been obsessed with. Um, one is if you're if you like true crime, my favorite murder um, is hosted by Karen and Georgia, who we love. Um, and they're just two women. They go. They talk about. Um, they they either pick like survivor stories, which is what they call so someone who's been um, the victim of a crime but who's managed to escape, which I quite like those. Um, or they'll, they'll detail mm. stories about murders. So if you like, if you do like crime, um, it's good. But the reason I bring them up is because they they had a bit of a reality check on one of the mo- their most recent episodes. So they do um, like hometown stories. So people send in like crime stories about their hometowns, and they're they're shorter episodes. Um, and they got a writing that was actually someone wrote in to say you covered a story in a previous episode that was actually about me that was supposed to be anonymous and no one should have known about but that was about me and it's because um in the town that the girl's from she her name was published in the report and she worked with the police so everybody in that county got to see her name that she worked with and um one of the people that she worked with um their kid was on their laptop saw the report and read it and submitted it podcast um so it was a bit of a reality check just to say just remember that these people that you're talking about are actually people um and that's the reason Mm. i bring up is because i think they're they are a really good example of people that they didn't sit there and make excuses for what they were being called out for they just went you know what you are absolutely right sometimes it's easy to get caught up in the infamy or the detail of it and forget that there are people but it is a fantastic podcast and the pair of them are just great the way they tell these stories they're so empathetic and so sympathetic and I highly, they're my podcast um, that I listen to on my walks which seems weird especially when I'm out in the morning and it's still dark I'm like am I going to get murdered maybe um, <laughs> but they end every episode with stay sexy don't get murdered which I think is a great tagline <laughs> to take into 2021 yeah. words to live um, by and the other one is table manners with Jessie Ware which I think has been around for a while, but I listened to her most recent episode recently, actually, um, and it's with Elizabeth Olsen um, of mm. WandaVision. So, WandaVision, oh, when, yes. when I made the list and I forgot, like, obviously, that it was this year, WandaVision was on my list. So, recommend if you've not seen it. Yeah. Yes. New episodes on tonight. Well, it's going to be out there. Me too. It's done so well. I'm not going to get into it. We can talk about that like halfway through the year, but fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> So those are my two podcasts. I often hear table manners getting talked about. I certainly used to when, because um, it must be on the same like podcast network as my dad wrote a porn. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so you often heard that. I do fancy that. Yeah. Oh, she gets some amazing guests. She really does. Like she's she's had such amazing people. And do you know what's amazing? Like I say amazing. I've said amazing like three times in that sentence. But anyway, um, she Jessie does it with her mum. So her mum cooks for her and her guest. And it's just so nice. It's literally like having your pal round while your mum cooks for you. Like, that's what it feels like. 
and the the Elizabeth Olsen one, they call her Lizzie because she's like, call me Lizzie, that's what everyone calls, that's like what my friends call me. And Elizabeth asked to be on the podcast. She actually reached out and was like, I love this podcast so much. I'm filming in England. Can I do it? Like, can someone just get me on board? So I was like, that's amazing. That's a celebrity who's gone out of their way to say, I love your work. I love the things you do and I want to be a part of it. So I really recommend it. I I listen to those ones when I cook because they are like quite good, obviously, because they're cooking and chatting. It's quite a good one to have on in the kitchen. Yeah, for sure. See, I've I've given you two recommendations and the occasions in which to listen to them. (laughs) Exactly. I like that. Context (laughs) and time. I have actually subscribed to both. I I will not be listening to the murder one when I'm out walking. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> particularly not when it's dark fair fair be good for your working maybe can I just mention one one last thing I'm disappointed that I didn't put in one of my top fives it's Shit's Creek mm-hmm. <gasps> oh. oh yeah that ended this year of course um, uh, I watched it all last year because I didn't watch it the same time as you um, True. but what a, a beacon of joy and yeah. The fact that it got kind of ignored for six seasons and then got lauded with all the awards mm-hmm. is so deserved. Yeah, it's the kind of thing that feels like I feel I don't I feel a little bit like I know yeah. the cast, <laughs> or because it's such a small, it's quite a small production, yeah. and it, it, it's it's kind of like what I've been saying about Pride and Prejudice. It's this little like pocket of the world that is like unaffected, and the fact that like. The David is a a queer character, mm-hmm. and I think there are other is there others in it. Yeah, it's never an issue. Yeah, it's not erased, but it's not front and center. Yeah. I love that. I love that. That's a good one. I never even thought of that. Um, do you have any more you'd like to mention? No. No. Okay. Um, my final thing I'm going to mention, um, is. Obviously, when I was still on Twitter, I did like a list of all the things that was going to be seen in 2020, and it was quite an impressive list at the theatre. Um, and then, obviously, as we know, March, <laughs> we all locked down. But I managed to see um, Hamilton, Dearevan Hansen, Come From Away, and oh, Six. Six. Um, and it was so good. But I want to draw particular attention because the amount of times I've said this one to people that they've just never heard of it is <clears throat> Come From mm-hmm. Away. Um, I think that's kind of like Hamilton in that the entire story is pretty much contained on the soundtrack. So if you ever find yourself at a loss for them to listen to, have a listen to Come From Away. Um, I think it's like an hour and 20 minutes long. It's only a one-act musical and it is unbelievable. <laughs> I'm still not over it. And it's been over a year since we saw it. It's a really, really good show. It's about um, these planes on 9-11 when American airspace was closed they diverted their course to Newfoundland and Canada and the population of this little town called Gander doubled overnight with people who were stranded. And while it is like a 9-11 story, it's only, I mean, it's mentioned throughout, but it's not like explicitly mentioned and discussed throughout. It's just you're, one of the lyrics is something like you're here at the edge of a moment and it's like, you're at this very specific point in history when everything looks its darkest, but humanity shines brightest. It's such a good show. Um, 10-10, everybody should go listen to it immediately. 
But turn this off. <laughs> Go listen to Come From Away. Um, but guys, I think that's I think that's us. Um, do you guys have anything else you'd like to to say? I'm 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 just no. waiting for Taylor Swift's third album to drop. Just waiting patiently. <laughs> I mean, it can't be long, surely. People think it's going to be March. I'll wait. <laughs> well, see, I think there's a rumor that Adele hey. was releasing music in February. They're going to have to coordinate. I don't think I can. I don't funny. I don't think my emotions can handle a new Adele album at this point in time. They're going to have to coordinate yeah, to get that driver's license song oh, off the top of the top. Thank charts. you. I no offense to Olivia Hunt. I'm so sorry that you've been through what you've been through. But oh my god, if these children on TikTok do not chill out <laughs> with driver's license, I swear to God, I'm going to smack them around the past with something. I I genuinely think I'm it may be my favorite song of all time. No. Oh my god! <laughs> I, I had it on repeat one when I went to sleep the other night, and I must have played for about two hours. <laughs> I can't. I just. I can't. I'm that. So I normally I quit. I subscribe to the TikTok trends. As in, any song that goes viral on TikTok, I tend to. It makes its way to some sort of playlist that I have, whether it's a gym one or just like my daily one, whatever. But driver's license. I am just like this is so obviously a publicized coordination. There is no way in hell the three of them decided. Like, have written music that quick, dropped it all in successive weeks, and just gone, oh, coincidence, we're all just reacting. I'm not having it. Having none of your bullshit. It's like um, in like 2000 or whatever it was when um, oh. Eamon and it was Eamon and the other women, and they were like, oh, it's a Thank response. Like, but the yeah, difference, is, the difference this is that driver's license is a good, it fills the large shaped hole it is. In, in my life. And I mean Lord yeah. as in the New Zealand singer that reviews on your night's not like has risen Lord Jesus Christ. At, at Jack Antonoff, yeah, if you're listening, can you help her write a new album, please? We're waiting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, we've devolved. Sorry, right. that was so funny. Anyway. I know we've got we've gone to that place. But um listen, thank you for joining me today, Joe and Joanna. I had a lovely time. Um I'm not sure when this will be out, but that's of no consequence to the listeners who will listen to it anyway. Yes. If you made it this far, I congratulate you. It's a bumper episode to kick off season two. But um, thanks for joining me, guys. Bye. 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 Okay, bye, everyone. Bye.